I'm talking about why I am wild about Jesus. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a little unconventional, and I'm, oh, man, I'm going to try to stay in front of that camera. Um, I'm wild about Jesus, wild, what I love deeply about Jesus. Um, I began, um, I, was, I was nudged by a guy two years ago. He used the acronym uh, WIME. His name is Nathan Lutz. He's, he's a, a missional sender. Some of you may have met him, some of you may not, but he said, uh, he used the acronym WIME, what intrigues me about you. And uh, he just challenged me. And I'd always taken this approach of when I go to the Word, I really want to have an encounter with the living God. Do you recognize, church, that that's what we get to do? When we open up these pages, we get to have an encounter with the living God. Isn't that exciting? And so he began to, to talk about this story in a way that, and it's not the story I'm going to be talking about, but it was a story, uh, this is a Jesus story, and uh, how he was different, and, and he has this process, and he's got, like, in his Bible app or whatever, he's got tons of these. Like, there's tons of stories about Jesus in the Gospels. And uh, he, he was uh, describing how he would read this, and he would just be totally blown away by something that we can read over and over and over again, and be like, yeah, I've heard it. And today we're going to talk about one of those stories that, yeah, you've heard. But it's so remarkable, the, the love of the Holy Spirit, because like the songs we sing today, <laughs> they're like totally related to the story. So um, it's just really cool, the unity of the Spirit and, and how he does that. But uh, this wild about Jesus, I began taking this approach. I'm not going to just sit and read a Jesus story and not be changed by it. I'm not going to do that. And I want to challenge you, uh, maybe today you'll hear something that might provoke you to, to engage with the Word of God in a different manner. Um, this story, uh, it starts in Mark 4 and 5. It's actually multiple stories if you want to, and I kind of got ADD, so I might spread all over the place. Uh, but uh, this story in particular just really grips my heart. And I tell stories like this when I go places like Africa, when I go to Uganda and Kenya, and I, when I go and I speak to the people of Iran, when I go to India or Peru or wherever else the Lord might take me, it's a very effective technique to tell stories. The rest of the world is not like us. The rest of the world loves a good story. So I want to challenge you to learn some good stories. And I will tell you right now, when I say the rest of the world is not like us, well, that's changing. That's shifting. The people of America are becoming more and more oral all the time and less literate all the time. And so I want to encourage you, learn the stories of the Bible and be able to tell them to engage people with the good news about Jesus. Why do I say the good news about Jesus? Well, Mark 1, 1, we're going to be in Mark 4 and 5, but did you know that Jesus is the gospel? Well, Yeah. He is. Well, Mark even says it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus. Stories about Jesus are good news. The four spiritual laws, uh, we go to places and we tell that and they just look at you like, you're nuts. What are you even talking about? And I think that's starting to happen in America more. When we start having those conversations, we need to be telling good news about Jesus because he's totally good and he's done so much in our lives to transform us, 
Tell your story. Tell your story. So the story I'm talking about, um, there's a, a particular day Jesus is out. Um, it's early on in his recorded ministry time. And he's um, hanging out with these, these people that have come and they've gathered around and he's telling them stories. He's telling them parables. And uh, there's so many people coming. And you know the story. He gets on a boat. He's like, man, there's so many people. I got to get on a boat and get away. So like, they're not going to push in on me in the water. They don't want to get wet. So like, he gets on this boat and he starts teaching. And he's teaching and he's teaching. He teaches basically all day long. All day. Just imagine. Who's a teacher in here? Raise your hands. What's, what do you feel like after you teach all day? Tired. Tired. Man, you're worn out, aren't you? Yeah, and so just imagine Jesus is teaching and he's, he's having to speak loudly to teach people. And it wears you out after a while. So Jesus um, is there, he's, he's teaching, he's telling parables about a sower, about seeds. Um, he spends time uh, explaining the parables with his disciples. The text says that, that he gathers them around and he kind of explains to his disciples and those that are close by uh, what, the, what the parables mean. He talks about a light under a basket and a mustard seed. And in that, in that passage, I just want to say this real quick. He says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Pay attention what you hear when you read the word of God. There's a little nugget there for us in Jesus' own words. And he's, he's telling these parables, and, and the gist of these parables, there's just so many lessons in them. But a couple of points I, I got out of there is that in his lessons, there's, there's small things that become big, and small faith becomes big as well. And so I just want to encourage you, like maybe you, you look at this and you say, well, I just don't know. I, I've always approached the Bible, and, and it's been hard, and I don't always understand what I'm reading. Small faith grows bigger. So just approach it and be open to receiving what God has for you in there. But when he gets done at the end of the day, he's on this boat and he's like, hey guys, his disciples are there and maybe a few more on the boat, I'm not quite sure. But he says, hey, let's go to the other side of the sea. And you know the story, right? What sea is he on? Who knows? He's on the Sea of Galilee. He's like, hey, let's go to the other side. And if you were one of his 12 disciples, you would have been like, what are you talking about? There's no way, Jesus. No. <laughs> because on the other side, there were unclean people. There were Gentiles. There were people that weren't good enough. There were people that would, that would defile them if they would just be in their presence. It would make them ceremonial un ceremonially unclean. And so the, the little backstory there, when Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side, He's really stretching his disciples. Like, he's, he's taking the, this to another level. This is early on in their relationship with him. We know that because of what happens next. But um, he's, he's probably got some pushback there. It's not recorded in the text. But there's probably some of this, are you sure? What? Master? What? <laughs> you know, there's probably that going on. But something in him had to go to that other side. He couldn't help it. He had to go. He had every reason to not go. But he said, no, let's go to the other side. So he gets in the boat and he goes and, and the story says he lays down on a cushion in the back of the boat and 
falls asleep like every good teacher would do at the end of a day. He's worn out. He falls asleep. Jesus had uncommon commitment to get in that boat and go to the other side. So one of the things I want to draw out of this is Jesus's commitment. It's uncommon. It's not normal. The way Jesus lived his life, the way he obeyed the Father is just not normal. He would have been going somewhere he wasn't supposed to go, but he went anyway. And it's because he wasn't supposed to go culturally, but there's clearly something else going on in his heart. He's tired and he falls asleep in the boat. He has uncommon peace. Jesus has uncommon peace. At the end of the day, you know, you know what I do? You know what I'm going to do when I'm done teaching today? I'm going to be like, man, I hope I didn't mess up. I, you know, and I will not be at peace, I promise you. Jesus was at peace enough, he laid down his head on the cushion and he falls asleep. It's very uncommon. Very uncommon. And then a storm kicks up. And the storm, as the story goes, this, this storm, it's getting so bad that like there's, there's water coming into the boat. I actually don't think it's raining in this story. It's like the wind's blowing so hard, the waves are rushing up against the boat, and there's water just like coming in so much so that his disciples, they're freaking out. And they're like, Master, don't you care? We're about to die. What are you doing? Wake up. And he's, the story says that he, he sits up or he gets up and he says, or he rebukes the wind and he says, peace, be still. Jesus has uncommon power. One word and he can make the storm go away. Who is this guy? that can do that. And I know his disciples, they haven't been with him long because they said the same thing. Who is this guy? Right? What in the world? Who is he that even the wind and the waves obey him? Wow. Oh, he's uncommon. <laughs> wow. And he has uncommon resolve. He has uncommon resolve. Hundreds of years earlier, God spoke to a man named Jonah. And he said, Go to Nineveh and cry out against it, for their evil has come up against me. Nineveh is the modern day city of Mosul in northern Iraq. Um, earlier in our worship time, we prayed for uh, the Kurdish areas around Erbil. This is very close to that, um, geographically speaking. But Jonah was told, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's a 500-mile journey, essentially. But Jonah had uncommon resolve to not go to Nineveh. And instead, he goes down to Joppa and gets on a 2,500-mile boat ride. 25 times further to go away. And he's going to Tarshish. Does anybody know where Tarshish is? It's the southern tip of Spain. My kids do. <laughs> the southern tip of Spain. Like, cross the whole Mediterranean Sea. Uncommon resolve in the life of Jonah. And similar things happen. He gets on the boat. He falls asleep. 
And a storm comes, and the guys on the boat with him are like, what are you doing, sleeper? Wake up and pray to your God that we might be saved. And he wakes up and he knows. He knows. Man, this is on me. <laughs> guys, the only way you're going to save yourselves, you got to throw me over. <laughs> there's, he knows there's nothing he can do about it. You see the contrast? Jesus had uncommon power. Jonah had no power because he was uncommonly resolved to disobey the word of the Lord. No authority. No power. And you know the story. Jonah had to become as good as dead for the storm to cease. As good as dead. Isn't that what we have to do? We have to become as good as dead to our own ways, our own desires, to our own fears. You see, Jesus had the uncommon resolve, the uncommon commitment, the uncommon power to go and do what the Father had commanded him to do, and he didn't say, no, I'm not going. I mean, he wasn't far from Joppa. He could have gone and done Jonah part two, right? But he chose not to. He said, yes, Father, I will obey you. And he went. How do I know he said, yes, Father? Well, because he says in other places in Scripture, I only do what the Father commands. I only do what I see the Father doing. Like, I only do what God wants me to. So we know that about his life, right? We know that about his ministry. And so that's how I know that. A little point out of the Jonah thing, running from God is always a harder and longer journey. It's always harder and it's always longer. You know the rest of the story about Jonah. He, he gets puked out on the dry land. and I don't know if you can say that on the microphone. But what it took to calm the storm was for him to become as good as dead. So you got two men, you got two storms, you got similar outcomes in a way. The storm gets calmed, right? But I want to ask you, who, who caused the storms? Well, the text is clear in the book of Jonah. Check it out. God caused that one. But we're not sure on Jesus' story. Who caused that storm? Do you recognize the, the contrast here? you got one guy, Jesus, who is absolutely resolved to obey the word of the Lord. And you got Jonah who's absolutely resolved to disobey the word of the Lord. And you got two storms. Sometimes, when we're obeying the word of the Lord, we run headlong into a storm. It's not always a good indication of whether we're on the right track, our difficulties, our challenges. And we need brothers and sisters around us to remind us of the truth of God's word and to remind us of the truth of God's nature and to tell us Jesus stories like, hey, no, he's good. You can trust him, right? We need that in our faith journey. Who caused the storm with Jesus? I don't have any idea, but I know who stopped it. I know who stopped it. Do you know who stopped it? Do you know him today? Intimately know him? Wow. Are you blown away by that? He can speak? Whoa. And make it go away. Jesus has uncommon resolve. He doesn't freak out in the storm. He doesn't freak out 
at the original command to go to the other side, he says, okay, yes, Lord, I will do what you say. Jonah's uncommon resolve was to disobey the word of the Lord, as I said earlier. I want to ask, where's your uncommon resolve? Are there things in your life that you've got uncommon resolve? I am not backing down. I will honor the word of the Lord. And perhaps there's no resolve in places. I just, I don't have a commitment one way or another. When the word of the Lord is clear. I want to challenge you. This isn't a, a guilt or, or anything, but look at the path that Jesus takes. Uncommon resolve, I will obey the word of my father and look at the blessing on his life. Who is this guy? And the story continues. And we see Jesus has uncommon love. He arrives on the other side and immediately he's met by a man afflicted by evil spirits. This man comes running at him. And you know the story. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before. He comes to him. He speaks to Jesus. He says, uh, I can't remember what it is he says. Let's look, I don't want to get it wrong. It's bad to do that. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Hmm. Jesus, in his uncommon love, chose not to torment him. Instead, he chose to deliver him. He honored his, his, his request, right? right? Don't torment me. You've got to understand the context here, though. I, I mentioned some about it already. This is a, an unclean man in an unclean place, unclean land. He's living amongst the tombs, unclean, surrounded by unclean animals. Unclean, 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 unclean. Like, this is a rabbi who chooses to get involved in the mess and let himself become ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. He's not worried about that. He's not worried about that in our messes either. He will rush right into our messes and deliver us and heal us from whatever shackles may bind us, whatever sickness might be tormenting us, whatever evil spirits might be tormenting us. He will deliver you. He will deliver us. He's not afraid. He has uncommon love for you. I wonder how we're doing in recognizing his uncommon love and his unwillingness to turn us away. He'll never forsake us. To love this guy, he had to get right in the middle of it. And I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> like, what in the world is he doing? He's, he's got students here. Good Jewish boy students, right? He's showing them the way. He's showing them the way. He has uncommon humility and grace and mercy. After delivering the man, it says that uh, the, uh, the herds keepers, because you, you know the story, he, he like, the demons or the evil spirits, um, they're like, hey, don't send us, in, or send us away from the land. Send us into those animals over there. And you, you know, like, what did Jesus do? 
Anybody know? What does it say? He did it? That's what I thought too. <laughs> he said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> they say, let us go into these pigs. And he's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, that, that really messed with me. Because <laughs> I thought he was, I thought he sent him into the pigs, right? I've been telling that story wrong <laughs> most of my life. Isn't it cool? Like you can find stuff like that? They go into the pigs, you know, they, they jump off or down the steep bank into the water and they drown. And I don't get that because I know for a fact pigs are actually really, really accomplished swimmers. <laughs> if you want to know more of that story, ask my family. Um, they're very good swimmers. But it says, the story says that they died, so I believe it. Um, but the herdsmen, they're freaked out. They go and they tell everybody and, and then they come and they're like begging Jesus to go away. But at the same time, they see this man who was demon-possessed. And they see him clothed and in his right mind. Uncommon mercy. Uncommon humility. Uncommon grace. In order for this man to be clothed, why did the story point out he was clothed? Probably because he was naked before. He didn't have clothes. And where did the clothes come from? Jesus, we read it in Matthew 10. When you go out, don't bring an extra tunic. I don't see this in the Word. This is my theory. This is my theory. It's not gospel. <laughs> Take it for that. I believe Jesus and his love for this man said, here, have one of mine. Because he wore an inner garment and an outer garment. He probably gave him one of his garments. And he wouldn't have put that on that dirty, unclean man that was blood. Like he cut himself. He had shackles and he would break them. He was nasty. He wouldn't have put a clean garment on an unclean body. So I believe Jesus took him down and washed him. I believe he does that in your life too. He does that in my life. He's done that in my life. His word says if we, are, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe Jesus washed that man and clothed him. And he does it in our lives. He washes our sin and our unrighteousness off of us and clothes us with his righteousness. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's entirely uncommon. Uncommon humility, uncommon grace, uncommon mercy. He's also a man of uncommon rejection. He had just performed a remarkable, stunning miracle. It says in the text, the people have tried to help this guy many times. But he receives uncommon rejection. And they begged him to go away. He has one encounter with one person. He gets in a boat and he goes all the way across the sea for that one man. The text says he gets back in his boat and he leaves. Uncommon rejection. Uncommon rejection. But before 
He gets in his boat. This guy who's totally transformed, well, he did what you or I would do. He'd be like, Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. Jesus, take me with you. And Jesus says, what? No. Because Jesus has an uncommon mission for all of us. He says, you, go and tell everyone. Go back to your town. Go back to your people and tell them everything that I've done for you. And the story says that he goes throughout the whole Decapolis. That's the known Gentile world at the time. Like, it's a lot of people. This man has one encounter with Jesus. He's delivered. He's set free. He's cleansed. He's clothed. He's declared right with God. Go tell. I don't know about you, but when was the last time you went to 10 cities and told them what Jesus has done for you? I haven't done, well, I have, but like, not like that, okay? Like, I haven't gone to like Augusta and Leon and, you know, I, I haven't done that. But that's what Jesus tells him to do. He sends him on an uncommon mission. And he produces uncommon transformation in our lives. That's what I love deeply about Jesus. How about you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you. I'm so grateful for your son. I thank you for my story. I thank you for the stories in this room. I thank you for the stories about Jesus. He's not, not done working. He never stops working. Lord, would you put a burden on our hearts to tell Jesus' stories? To tell our stories? That those who don't yet know you would have encounter with you. Their lives would be forever impacted. I pray right now for that area around Nineveh. Right now, being rocketed in Erbil. Just pray for your protection over the workers there. There's 400 missionaries, Lord, in that part of the country. You know them all by name. Lord, would you use them to begin a movement amongst the Kurds? Lord, I pray for that part of the world where this man was delivered by the Sea of Galilee. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. I just love you today. Amen.